is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. in here, our number, 877-381-3811, Well, we will be watching the United States Senate, because we have individual conservative senators over there who have objected to the deal that was made in the House. I do not trash Kevin McCarthy but I don't agree with the deal either. That is, I think they should have spent a few more months on this because it wasn't going to sink. On the other hand, I don't have to count votes. I don't have to count votes. And you know, one of the things that's interesting is the original deal that they sent to Biden, that is the one that they passed, it wasn't the deal that conservatives like us originally supported. It was a watered-down version. You realize that, Mr. Producer? I dug into this. So who's purer than pure? And there were a number of, not a lot, but a few conservatives who voted against it, one or two But it wasn't the end-all and be-all that we were promised. Why? Because you got to get the votes, that's why. But he got the votes. Still, still it wasn't the version that we were promised. It wasn't the be-all and end-all that we were promised. Why? Because this process, I don't care what bill it is, who the speaker is, who the majority leader is. I mean, I care a lot, but I mean, that's fundamentally not how this is going to be addressed in the end. It won't be Congress. Unfortunately, the system's too broken. And if people don't recognize that, then they're going to keep banging their heads against the wall and take cheap shots at this guy or that guy. That's the way it goes. 
Moreover, as I said, and I will mention specifically, what will the conservatives in the Senate do about this? The House is one body. You know what's fascinating? I'm going through, researching, reading today. I don't see a lot of pressure on the Republican senators to do anything. Have you noticed that, Rich? You agree? You've looked too, right? Almost nothing. I don't get it. Theoretically, this thing could be stopped potentially in the Senate. I'm not even hearing a lot of noise. I see the same looped interviews over and over and over again. And so we'll see, other than just voting no, they have certain rules in the Senate which can allow them to slow this thing down. And any conservative senator is free to call me, my buddy Mike Lee, my buddy Ted Cruz, Rick Scott, who else is there? Rand Paul. Now they know and I know, under the unique Senate rules, just to vote no doesn't mean a damn thing, because the yes votes are there. So there are more opportunities, really. If they feel this is awful, and if they agree with me that it ought to take a few more months, I really believe that, then they ought to stop it or at least try to slow it. I haven't even seen a press event where they're all gathered together and talking to the media. Have you seen that, Rich? Where's the conservative wing of the Republican Party in the the Senate? Where are all the columnists? All the Tweety Birds. I see no pressure placed on any of these guys to do anything. And yet the rules are such where they might be able to do something, at least slow it down and inform the American people. They're not doing it. This is the strangest damn thing, really. We got a bicameral Congress. And you would think we only have one body. Well, we only have a majority. Yes, but they have rules in the Senate, parliamentary rules, that are beneficial to the minority. Not so in the House. Not so in the House. Have you heard anybody talk about this today? Have you seen anybody write about this? The weight of this whole thing is on the House. Where we have a tiny majority. And by the way, there are liberal Republicans in that caucus. Liberals. Who you and I detest. There are rhinos who you and I detest. And so I would ask you, if you're going to pull the votes together, it seems to me in the Senate you have a better opportunity in some respects. I looked at the roll call votes on this too. Tim McClinton, uh, Tom McClintock, who I have great respect for, voted for this. Claremont Institute days. Jim Jordan voted for this. Thomas Massey, solid libertarian, voted for this. So did several members of the Freedom Caucus, including Warren Davidson. I point him out because he was the first candidate the Freedom Caucus endorsed to get elected some years ago. Marjorie Taylor Greene, 
And then I stopped looking, quite frankly. So there's them. Should we now boot them out of the Republican caucus? Are they sellouts too? Then I looked at some of the others. You have, as I said, yes, Newt Gingrich, Steve Moore. You have the editorial pages of the Washington Times, the New York Post, Ben Dominich, who's great, Steve Cortez, solid, supporter of DeSantis, was a supporter of Trump, Kevin Haslett, had a senior economic position in the Trump administration, and Americans for Tax Reform, hardly a liberal organization. They all supported it. I did not, but they all supported it. So, I just wanted to lay that out there for you. It's not so black and white. I use my own thinking process on these things. I don't just, oh, no, we're not going to do that. And I don't believe in that. So we have this bill that's over in the Senate. And the one senator I hear about is this guy, Tim Kaine from Virginia. He's kicking up a lot of dust. Why? Because he wants to kill the pipeline provision in the debt ceiling deal. Which is one of the great provisions in the bill. So he introduced an amendment today to strip a provision, as National Review reports, in the debt ceiling bill that would expedite the completion of the Mountain Valley Pipeline. So what this bill does, among other things, is it, it streamlines infrastructure building, whether it's roads, tunnels, bridges, from an average of seven years because the environmentalists throw up obstacles. They sue you in one agency, then move to the next. That was streamlined. But it also streamlines the approval of energy projects. So that's good, right? Well, top Republican negotiators explained in a call reporters that expediting completion of the 303-mile natural gas pipeline is a strategic win. Democrats on record voting to limit judicial review, even of conventional energy projects. This is important. So Tom, uh, Tim Kaine is furious. Says it's extremely frustrating because there could have been other vehicles to do it. I mean, it doesn't have to go into the debt ceiling bill. So there you have it. Senate Majority Leader Schumer, Senate Minority Leader McConnell are in support of the deal and have emphasized it must move through the chamber quickly. If amendments are approved, it will go back to the House for another vote, making an already difficult timeline nearly impossible. So why isn't there pressure on McConnell by Republicans? Okay, the House thing's over. Why isn't there any pressure, any condemnation of McConnell, his so-called leadership team? Why isn't there any pressure on conservatives in the Senate? But particularly McConnell. Mike Lee is proposing an amendment to strike Section 265 from an act. 
let's see, that currently empowers the Biden administration director of OMB to unilaterally waive a provision referred to as the administrative pay-go. Yeah, that's bad news. Because that requires the administrative agencies to offset the expense of any regulatory discretionary administrative action. Rand Paul's proposing the amendment to, it would place caps on total on-budget outlays that decrease by 5% each year, which are enforceable by sequester. Okay. And uh, will the Republicans support both of those amendments? Are they going to receive pressure from anybody? No, they're not. It's just assumed that that game is over. Forget it. It's too bad. Well, we don't have the numbers in the Senate. Well, we didn't have the numbers in the House. But that doesn't mean you don't put the pressure on and state your opinion, in my view. I'll be right back. Lovin. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fall out could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, Call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. mix in the Republican Party. It's very strange in some ways. We have people breaking off, creating their own views of conservatism, rejecting conservatism, hyphenated conservatism. Even more, we have a new sort of theory. It's not new at all. It really predates World War II and then in the 1950s with Taft and conservatives and so forth. More of an isolationist view although they've always denied that it's isolationist. And, uh, and then we have the, uh, the hawks. And by hawks, I mean the interventionists, who've never seen a conflict that they don't believe that we should be involved in. And so the labels get thrown around and the names get thrown because it's easier to win discussions that way. I'm not interested in winning anything. I'm interested in you hearing the facts. Although I always do win, Mr. Producer. Now that said, what am I talking about? Well, here's Lindsey Graham on the floor of the Senate today. Now I know a lot of you are saying, oh, it's Lindsey. But Lindsey Graham represents a viewpoint that is not completely rejected in the Republican Party. And look, you can support a strong military, and you can support a forward acting national security doctrine without being an interventionist 
quote-unquote, and without supporting endless wars, quote-unquote, and without being a neocon. Was Reagan a neocon when he fought the Russians, that is, the Soviets in Angola, in Nicaragua, in El Salvador? Pushed them in, in other places across the world? No. Forever wars. And he defeated the Soviet Union. I think that was pretty good. Don't you? I think it was very good. He also grew the economy over the course of his two terms by some 25%. Economic growth like this country hasn't seen since the Industrial Revolution. And by the way, the Industrial Revolution... I know we've been raised to hate the monopolists, and even the populists hate the monopolists. I'm not big on monopolists myself, but I am big on history. There's a reason why Rockefeller was the richest man on the face of the earth, and he'd be the richest man on the face of the earth today. He looked at his, if you looked at his wealth based on inflation, it's because he created the energy system that we use today, the fossil fuel system. Without his capital being invested the way it was, it wouldn't have happened. It was a very disparate industry, very regionalized industry. The whole notion of pipelines, that was his genius. The whole notion of using natural gas, which was being burned off, that was his genius. Made possible the automobile in this country. Or steel. Nobody had the capital except Carnegie. And I can go on and on. Certainly improve this country, the Industrial Revolution and beyond. Doesn't mean they were great, doesn't mean they were perfect. Means that they delivered for us many, many things that would not otherwise have been delivered. So in some cases, it's good. Most cases, it's not. But in some cases, it simply is. I'll be right back. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. Mark Levin says today, what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811.
Lindsey Graham on the floor of the Senate today. Cut four. Go. We're going to cap spending at a level that we cannot expand the Navy. And in the same period of time, China's going to go from 310 ships over a 10-year period to 440. Let's Less stop right there. This is one of my problems as well with the deal. And yet I asked one of my conservative friends in the House, I said, you're not, you're not an isolationist. Why, why do you support that? And he said, well, if we can offset it with domestic spending. And I told you this, yeah, I said, but they can't because the left won't allow them and the liberal Republicans won't allow that. He said, well, then we're not going to increase it. I said, but that doesn't eliminate the threat from communist China. I mean, come on, man. To quote Joe Biden. Communist trainers on the rise. They're not messing around. We've got to build up our military to be able to defend ourselves properly. You know, when Reagan left office, we had a 600-ship Navy. Now we're under 300. He says 310. We're going to be under 300 ships. The Chinese are going to be over 400. All right, go ahead. Less money for the Army, less ships for the Navy. Let me slow because we missed. Less money for the Marines, less money for the Army, less ships for the Navy. Does that concern any of you out there? Have you even heard any of this? It's true. Are we conservatives now concerned, not concerned about this? That's a new type of conservatism to me. We've seen this before, as I said, pre-World War II, 1930s. The United States was highly isolationist. And the enemy got stronger and stronger and stronger. And conservatives in America, and not just conservatives, but liberals too. The nation didn't want to know from anything. Churchill, despite his protestations that Hitler is building, he could see what's happening in Germany, he could see what's happening in Italy before, he could see it all. He was dismissed as a kook. And he was right. Go ahead. A conflict. Not a penny in this bill to help Ukraine defeat Putin. They're going on the offensive as I speak. And we need to send a clear message to Putin that when it comes to your invasion of Ukraine, we're going to support the Ukrainians to ensure your loss. If we don't do that, then we're going to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. And of course, uh, this is considered controversial. It wasn't 10 or 20 years ago, but it's controversial now. That is to support an ally against an invader and of course China, Russia, Iran and North Korea there's your access A-X-I-S there's your modern access and the prelude to World War III and there is going to be a World War III and I apologize for being the messenger on this it's already started in many ways China's on the move. China's building its arsenal. 
So they're not going to act until they think they can literally defeat us or cower us or cut off our economic navigable areas and routes. They're already in our hemisphere in violation of the Monroe Doctrine. So is Russia. Our good friends, the Russians. They're in our hemisphere in a significant way. I mean, it's unbelievable. And uh, they're already in the Pacific, our Pacific, the west coast of Africa. Why are they doing all this? To defeat Taiwan? No, it's nothing to do with Taiwan. It has to do with us. They're building and building a strong alliance with certain countries south of our border, including Brazil, Nicaragua, other countries, Venezuela. This is serious stuff. And yet, and yet we are not able, excuse me, we are not capable of fighting a two-front war, which used to always be the test if military spending was enough. Military spending as a percentage of the budget is much lower than it's been in the past. As a percentage of GDP, it's much, much lower than it's been in the past. And it's going to be worse. So this is one strike also against this deal. No, I don't think McCarthy sold us out. I think he got what he thought he could get with the Republicans that he has. Just a matter of judgment. As I said, they hung on another month or two. We weren't going to go broke. The money keeps coming into the federal government. It doesn't stop. You keep paying your taxes. Businesses keep paying their taxes. Keep getting tariffs and whatever keeps coming into the... It doesn't stop. Now, Mike Lee was on Fox and Friends today. He's a very close friend of mine. We don't always agree, but we often do. Cut three, go. We knew that our best shot was with the House putting out something good. And so uh, the fact that they put, over, uh, put across the line after having proposed something so good and not standing their ground on that, something that's anemic, deficient, and falls far short of what they claim it did, uh, uh, makes me not at all excited about uh, supporting this bill. Moreover, there is this, this sense out there that this thing is going to cut spending automatically by 1%, but they wrote it in such a way it's actually going to encourage uh, more spending, a bigger omnibus or continuing resolution at the end of the year. It's going to result in more spending, not less. You know, it's hard to know what to believe anymore. I read the bill. I hear Mike, who I trust, who's one of the smartest people I know. Then I hear other people saying, no, that's not correct. You're hearing the same thing. What do you even believe anymore in terms of interpretation of this thing? Spoke to Jim Jordan. He doesn't agree with Mike Lee. Doesn't mention Mike Lee by name, but he thinks it does those things that Mike Lee doesn't think it does. I mean, it's pretty interesting. But there you have it. But this isn't going to fix anything anyway, folks. In fact, the Republican proposal, the conservative proposal, that wasn't going to change the trajectory either. I agree that you fight where you have to. You fight on every 
on every battlefield and so forth. But the fact of the matter is, if we really want to fix things, I talked about this at length yesterday. And I'm going to talk about it at length on my Fox show Sunday. The fact of the matter is that none of this is going to stop the trajectory. By the way, Mr. Producer is a footnote. Open your microphone, would you? Do I promote my podcast a lot? You should do it more often. You don't. Do I promote it a lot? Not really. Do I promote it every day? No. Do I promote it once a week? Not really. Maybe twice a month? Hopefully twice a month, usually. It's I rare. promote it twice a month? Maybe three times a month? Not often. So somebody writes a letter to Westwood One and says that I'm busy promoting the podcast. Now this is a letter from somebody who represents somebody who endlessly promotes their podcasts. Such liars. Oh man, they're they're bruising for cruising. They're cruising for bruising. Fine by me. Fine by me. What are you talking about, Mark? It'll become clear eventually. It'll become clear eventually. It's just very strange. But then again, I'm dealing with very strange. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. You heard Mike Lee, he opposes it because it spends too much. You heard Lindsey Graham, he opposes it because there's not one penny extra for defense in the face of rising communist China. And there is a perfect example of how difficult it is to cobble together votes. So if Lindsey Graham's complaint was met, there would be more spending. If Mike Lee's complaint was met, there'd be less spending on defense. Now we have Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy who says, look, this is what we did. Cut one, go. I've been thinking about this day before my vote for speaker. Because I knew the debt ceiling was coming. I wanted to make history. 
I wanted to do something no other Congress has done. That we would literally turn the ship. That for the first time, in quite some time, we'd spend less than we spent the year before. Tonight, we all made history. Because this is the biggest cut and savings this Congress has ever voted for. And it's not that we're just voting for it. This is going to be law. $2.1 trillion. And there are a number of analysts who say that's correct. And then there's people who say it's not. But you know what? We'll know in a year, won't we? We don't have to guess. We'll know in a year. The effort to destroy this man's character, though, I've had about enough of that. They didn't give him any credit for what he could become as a speaker. First, they told us it wouldn't happen. It did happen. Then they say he's a sellout. He's hardly a sellout. You may disagree with what's, what's happened here, but he's hardly a sellout. Then um, you can hear the Democrats attacking him. Then you'll look at the vote tallies. I've heard this said. 70 or 71 Republicans voted against this. Now, I watched that vote as it was coming. And what did I see? As I recollect, there were 40 or 45 votes right out of the box that were against it. And then when it was obvious it was going to pass, some Republicans sitting on the sidelines jumped in and voted against it. In other words, if their votes were needed, they probably would have voted for it. But 70 or so voted against it. And what was it, 149 or 150 voted for it? So there you are. Split. They're split. And if you're sitting down at a table and you've got to figure this out, that's what you're dealing with. And uh, my complaint, again, is if they had been a little bit more patient, they let the phony deadlines that Yellen put out pass. One already did. June 1st it already p- was already going to pass without there being a problem. And looked at how, among others, the Reagan administration was able to use the available funds when there were government closed uh, shutdowns. I think that would have worked. But then again, he didn't have the backing of the Senate Republican leader I mean, he was the, the he was pretty much standing on his own. And apparently, he's very popular with you. But I don't see where the the attacks are going to do anything. I mean, he says it's a first step. Great, we're going to watch the second step. I heard Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller, a sellout too. Is everybody a sellout who doesn't agree with some of these people? Is that it? Is that how that works? Fact of the matter is Stephen Miller, who's done an enormous amount with his legal group, done an enormous amount of good on immigration issues. I've known him a long time. He's a big fan of Kevin McCarthy's. I didn't even know this. He said he's known him seven years. He used to work on the Hill. And he said on TV last night, I think it was on Hannity, this is a first step. It's not everything we wanted, but it's good. So this is what you're hearing, mixed signals. And that's why I'm here to tell you that we fight wherever we can. But this fight is not what's going to get us our country back. 
even if everything was cut the way we wanted it cut. It does absolutely nothing on Social Security and Medicare. We're talking about 11% of the budget. 11% of the budget. And when you look at the GAO reports, and even the OMB Treasury Department reports, and the CBO reports, and I, I mentioned them to you last night, we're headed for a cliff. And this vote yesterday has nothing, almost nothing to do with it. The amount of money we owe in these so-called entitlement areas, and the amount of money we owe in the so-called untouchable areas, the rest of the budget, is so monstrous. It's so unbelievable that it's hard to see how we get out of this. Even if Matthew Rosendale of Montana was in charge of this process, it wouldn't be enough. It literally wouldn't be enough. Because the system is completely broken. The funding system, the borrowing system, the spending system. So to some degree, I watch this stuff. I just shake my head. And I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I guess you saw where Joe Biden fell today. Um, honestly, I don't think it's funny. He looks like he's way older than 80 years old, way older. He tripped over something. I don't know what it was. I think he was, uh, gave the Colorado Springs, the Air Force Academy, gave the speech there. A graduation ceremony, he fell over, he had trouble getting up. And I, honestly, I felt terrible about it. I don't wish that on anybody. So, uh, I just think we have to come to grips with the fact that he's a very old man, much older than 80 that his mind does not function the way it should and that he shouldn't be president of the United States under any circumstances. And I'll tell you what else. I think the Democrats, God forbid if he is elected, uh, it'll be they who use the 25th Amendment to replace him with Kamala Harris. That's a... uh, lingering concern I've had in the back of my mind 
you know, there's something that if I don't do it now, I won't get to it. So I'm going to do it now. As you know, I'm good friends with Stephen A. Smith. We don't always agree, that's for sure. But so what? It's not what I base my friendships on. He's a very, very nice man. Very decent man. He's a very smart man. Again, I don't always agree with him, for sure, and he with me. But he is a straight shooter. Shoots as he sees it. And he said something on his podcast yesterday that has not received the attention that it deserves, in my view. And so I will make it go national. Cut 16, go. When we going to look at ourselves, when it comes to black people being killed in the streets of America. I don't even want to get into what happened in Chicago, but I have no choice. This past Memorial Day weekend from Friday to Monday, at least 53 people were shot. Mm-mm-mm. 11 fatally, according to police. If one black person was killed by the police, we'd raise holy hell and in some cases there'd be riots in the streets. And damn it, I'm not here to sit up there and blame anybody for that because I'm tired of the nonsense that we've seen going on in the streets aimed at black Americans. That's not where I'm going. What I'm saying is, where's the due diligence when it comes to putting a spotlight on what we're doing to each other? Because this is pissing me off. 53 lives. 53 in one weekend. It's not the first time this has happened. It's been happening year after year after year. Chicago, St. Louis, Baltimore, the list goes on and on. Where's the noise at? Where's the protests? Where's mainstream media talking about that? Where is it? That's what I want to know. Because let me tell you something. Nothing else matters if we're dead. Nothing else matters if we're killing each other. That is, uh, well, it's something we've been saying here, but it takes a lot of guts to say that. If you're on ESPN, and honestly, for many black Americans, And this guy's guts, he's got courage. Again, you don't have to agree with him, but he says what he believes, and he's right, 100% right. I've been talking about this till I'm blue in the face. There needs to be more leadership in every community, but especially the black community that's facing this down. Because this is the great civil rights issue of our time. And when you're talking about over 50 people being shot over Memorial Weekend, 50 people, that's one city. And I'm talking about black people shooting black people. And there's crickets. You hear nothing. You didn't hear President Biden. You didn't hear the Attorney General. You don't hear Kamala Harris. You sure as hell don't hear from the senators of Illinois 
You don't hear from Al Sharpton. You don't hear from anybody. Listen. Happen to be listening to this show, but now here's Stephen A. And he's put a marker down. I think this is very, very important. What he says here. You can have all the complaints you want about society, about other people, about the police and so forth. That doesn't stop this. That's his point. This is going on. This is going on. So what are we going to do about it? Nothing. They're not going to do anything about it, Stephen A. They're not going to do anything. You need more police, specifically in these communities, where the facts are these murders are occurring more than in other places. That's a fact. Somehow, some way, we have to work on morality and how parents raise their children. We've got to have a dose of school choice so kids are literally taught rather than just going through the motions so we can subsidize the teachers' unions. There are things we can try. Gun control. How many people who are murdering other people are going to be affected by gun control? It's one thing if it's a family dispute or a husband and a wife, something like that. Most of these killers are gangbangers. Gun control? We have laws in some states, capital punishment. If you kill somebody, if that doesn't deter you from killing somebody, how will gun control deter you from killing somebody? There's something terribly wrong here. And I wish the Los Angeles Dodgers, LeBron James, Kaepernick, the NFL commissioner, baseball commissioner, I just wish all these athletes and sports, whatever they call them, leagues, I'd have more concern about that because there's, you know, a lot of these kids look up to these players and they're focused on these leagues and so forth. I wish there was more effort in this regard because this is where all the slaughter is taking place. And maybe Stephen A. Smith has started something here because he has tremendous influence. In sports broadcasting, he has tremendous influence in the black community. He's highly regarded and highly respected, including by me. So let's hope this this ignites a fire of some sort. And I just would say to my friend, keep at it every now and then. Because it can't be a one-off, it won't work. But it's so important that he, that he mentioned this because people don't notice it. And it really is grotesque. I'll be right back. Lovin. Remember the last time you got a quote-unquote free phone? You started out feeling great, then came the hefty activation fees. 
four-line requirements, and of course, the binding contract. Don't fall for it again, folks. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data plan with mobile hotspot for just 55 bucks a month and get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company I'm proud to stand behind because they're proud to stand behind me and you. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin and you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Again, go to puretalk.com, use promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, to start saving today. very important election we have and uh, if it comes down to Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis that would be a good thing actually as opposed to some of the other folks I'd like some of the other folks if they'll come on the show did we try Tim Scott yet Mr. Producer we're working out of date all right that's good and uh we can't get Chris Christie, so that we've tried him over and over again, so forget it. He's a loser. Chris doesn't want to come on the show. He doesn't want me to challenge him. That's okay. It's okay. Chris Sununu, I think they turned us down too, right? So that's not happening. I mean, here we have an audience that you would think they'd want to talk to. But I want to present you a little bit of information. It's very interesting on the campaign trail. Most of you are not able to keep up with this, and that's good. You're in your cars, you're at home, in the office, listening to this program. So let's take a listen. I've got a little bit of DeSantis and a little bit of Trump. Now, DeSantis was in Iowa. He's now in New Hampshire. Cut eight, go. Support the police, the people that wear the uniform that patrol our streets. We have their back. We don't defund law enforcement. In fact, we have done for three years in a row now every sworn law enforcement officer and firefighter in the state of Florida has gotten a $1,000 bonus from the state of Florida because we appreciate the job they're doing and we stand with them when many other places won't. One of the reasons we have uh, runaway crime is because we've seen the election of so-called progressive prosecutors, oftentimes funded with donations from people like George Soros, and they get into office and they say, we are not going to enforce certain laws because we don't like those laws. And so they give criminals a free pass. Crime starts to go through the roof. The communities get hollowed out. It's a total disaster. When we had one of those prosecutors in Florida that said he wasn't going to enforce laws in the state of Florida that he didn't like. I removed him from his post. He is gone. What I like about DeSantis, he's like the guy next door. They're trying to turn him into a monster. You know, they're trying to turn him into an extremist. They went after his wife, Casey. I know these people personally. My family and I are good friends with them. They are as they seem. They are a wonderful family and wonderful people. And he's very earnest. He's very sincere. Putting aside all the personal attacks on him. He believes in what he's doing. And he's been consistent in that regard. 
In 2012, I was contacted by Adam Laxalt, who was a, a roommate of DeSantis when they were in the Navy together. And he asked that I and uh, Attorney General Meese would we endorse Ron DeSantis. And we didn't know a lot about him. Nobody did. It was a crowded primary field. And I looked at his record. I said, okay, I'll do it. And Meese said he'd do it. We both endorsed him. It's not why he won, but we, we were pleased. And when he became a member of the House, he was a very consistent, solid constitutionalist. By the way, you notice in all this debate back and forth about the budget thing, and so they never discussed the Constitution. It's amazing. That's our governing salvation. Anyway, and so uh, it was a spectacular member of the House. And he decided to run for the governorship. And he asked if I would come to Florida and campaign with him, which I did. He and Matt Gates, actually. My wife and I went down. And uh, Matt Gates and I get along okay now, by the way. Chip Roy and I are best friends. We always have been. I've known him 20 years, so all this other static, ignore it. It's just a family fight from time to time. Nonetheless, and he won, as you know, by what, 40,000 votes, and he got the help of President Trump. So you'll say, well, this is disloyal that he's running now. He's worried about the future of the country. From his perspective, he wants to make sure we do not lose the next election, and he's concerned that we might otherwise. And so that's why he's jumped, I believe, into the race. And by the way, I have to tell you that President Trump and First Lady Melania were good friends with them, my family and them. So, uh, it's a strange race for me. It's the way it goes. Could be worse, right? Romney could be running. That would be quite the disaster, don't you think, Mr. Producer? All right, let's go to cut nine. Ron DeSantis in New Hampshire. Go. When you're in an executive position, yeah, you got to be right on policy. I mean, obviously, we see uh, our president now is wrong on all these policies. It's hurting the country. You got to be right on the policy, but that's not enough. Uh, you got to exercise leadership. And if you're there and you can kind of think right about the policy, but you're not a leader, you're ultimately not going to be effective. And so during COVID, you know, it fell to everybody in executive positions to make decisions about how you were going to handle this. And I can tell you in Florida, when uh, we decided that we would chart our own course, that we would buck the elites, that we would buck uh, the bureaucracy, the media, the left, even some Republicans, uh, we faced a lot of blowback for that. Uh, we were getting hammered every day. Uh, they were going after us, and really they were trying uh, to kneecap me for good. And I had a lot of supporters that were at the time just like, man, like, I know you, I know you feel strongly about this, but you're, 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 you're getting killed, and you're not going to be long for this world politically if you keep this up. You may want to reverse course. And, you know, at the end of the day, as a leader, you've got to be willing to look in that mirror uh, and be honest with yourself, are you doing the right things for the right reasons or are you not? And if you're curtailing what you think is right because you worried about short-term political ramifications, that is not leadership. No, it's not. 
And it's not a good conservative radio or TV host either, or a good conservative at all. Just like the speaker fight. What took place? You've got to make your own judgment based on your own experience. Come hell or high water. That's the way it works. It's like in 2016, the Republican primary there. I backed Ted Cruz early on because I'd known the man for a long time. Didn't know Donald Trump. And uh, as soon as Trump had enough delegates, I endorsed Trump because we needed a win badly. And he spoke to me at some length. He uh, couldn't have been more uh, open talking about various issues. He gave that Gettysburg speech, which I thought was fantastic, which I had discussed with him. And the rest is history. Now they're trying to destroy him and put him in prison, which to me is absolutely unconscionable. In fact, it makes me sick to my stomach. So I can see the attacks on him. I know what they're based on, and I will continue to defend him. Because honestly, he really hasn't done anything wrong. I'm interested in some technicality or something of that sort that doesn't cut it with me. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Remember the last time you got a quote-unquote free phone? You started out feeling great, then came the hefty activation fees, four-line requirements, and, of course, the binding contract. Don't fall for it again, folks. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data plan with Mobile Hotspot for just 55 bucks a month and get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company I'm proud to stand behind, because they're proud to stand behind me and you. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin, and you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Again, go to puretalk.com, use promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N PODCAST, to start saving today. conservative fire the mark levin show call in now at 877-381-3811 see the president of mexico is attacking desantis and he's telling people don't vote for desantis now that should help desantis no i would think so donald trump in urbandale iowa today Cut 10, go. We had the greatest job production. We had more jobs than we've ever had. If you were black or white or Asian or anything, everything was the best. If you had a diploma from Harvard, MIT, and the Wharton School of Finance, or if you didn't have a high school diploma, if you didn't graduate from high school, every single category, women, men, was doing the best they've ever done. And now our country's a laughing stock. True that. True that. Cut 11, go. This is years and years of entrenchment, uh, years and years of radicalism. It's really radicalism, and it's putting our country at great danger. I mean, I'm fighting... So I should have set this up properly. He's talking about the Department of Justice, of course. Go ahead. 
reasons I'm doing so because I've, you know, I've really fought them successfully and we were making tremendous problems. But this is numerous presidents, long term, people are embedded in those positions and they hate us. They hate our values. They hate what we stand for. 100% right. 100% accurate. Really quite, quite horrendous. And then there's Maggie Haberman, a.k.a. Maggot Haberman. She's on CNN, CNN, which seems to get all the leaks from the Department of Justice. She's at the New York Slimes, the Holocaust-denying New York Slimes, the anti-Israel New York Slimes, the pro-Castro New York Times, and the pro-Stalin New York Times. Did I get enough in there? I think I did. It's all true. I can prove it, and I have. She's very excited. She's very excited. Cut 12, go. I understand why he doesn't want to answer those questions, but then don't go on TV. Right, can you talk it. a little bit more slowly, maggot? Start from the top again, please go. I understand why he doesn't want to answer those questions, but then don't go on TV to say I'm not going to sit here and not answer these questions, um, you know, other than making the client happy. Are you supposed uh, to be a reporter? Is that what you're supposed to be? And why are you telling people what to say and what not to say? You know what reporters are basically, ladies and gentlemen? They're people who sit on their fat asses at a desk. Maybe they're home these days. They're way overpaid. And they have a laptop or a a computer in front of them. And they sit there and wait for people to call into them and leak stuff to them. That's what a reporter is. They don't actually go out there anymore, like a gumshoe we used to call it, and go out there and get information. No, they don't do that anymore. They sit there. And they wait for some rat fink to leak to them. That's what they do. Cut 12. Go. Tape is, uh, multiple sources have described it as very problematic for Trump. Now, again, you know, this investigation is still ongoing. We don't know where it's going to end up. But of all of the evidence that, that we know of, this is the most damning I've heard of. And it reminds us there's so much we don't know about what prosecutors have. Mm. I think they're talking about a tape where Trump references uh, Iran and information that he has. Oh, that's unbelievable. So Biden's trying to take out Trump. That's what he's trying to do trying to take out Trump. His prosecutors know it. The local elected Democrat DAs know it. The head of the Department of Justice knows it, and we know it. And that's the same Department of Injustice that won't appoint a special counsel to investigate Joe Biden's crime family. Meaning Joe Biden, not Hunter. Despite the enormous number of of connections. I mean, even worse than that. You can see what Christopher Ray's doing. He won't release a document. It's not even a classified document. To an oversight committee, the House of Representatives, the Constitution gives that power to Congress. Director of the FBI is a creature of Congress. He was created by Congress. The FBI was created by Congress. There's no classified information debate here. You can't just say sources and methods and that's the end of it and somehow you trump the Constitution. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And you don't get to say, yeah, you can come into a, uh, a vault is what they have at the bottom of the Department of Justice. I worked in there many times, unfortunately. 
skiff, they call it. But it's a vault. It's got a bank-like door on it. Uh, when I was uh, representing Attorney General Meese during the Iran matter. I'm just telling you that they don't get to say, well, we'll show it to you, but we'll redact it, and you come to the skiff. No, no, you're not in charge, Mr. Ray. Chairman Comer is in his committee. They're in the majority. They were elected. They get to see the document. And look, folks, I don't know what's on the document. I don't know what's in there. But they get to see it anyway. This could be rope-a-dope. could be some, you fight like hell for it, and it's a nothing burger. But I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. You have a whistleblower that says there's a lot in there. And let's hope by now they're not destroying evidence. But this is what I mean. It's not just they won't appoint a special counsel to investigate Biden. They do everything humanly possible to protect them. To protect them. I've got another, another story here from our friends at Breitbart. ATF skeptical of charging Hunter Biden. Officials at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives were reportedly skeptical, quote-unquote, of bringing gun-related charges against Hunter Biden due to his having no prior criminal history. Now, you believe that? Is that how they looked at Trump staff? Is that how they looked at Manafort? Is that how they looked at Stone? Bannon? No. And it's not how they're looking at Eastman or Rudy or anybody else. On a form dated March 25, 2018, Hunter Biden may have lied about his history of drug use when filling out ATF Form 4473 for a gun purchase. The punishment for false answers on that form includes fines up to a quarter of a million and or 10 years of imprisonment. Now, how hard is that investigation that's gone on now going on six years? It's so complicated. But a source told the New York Times, quote, officials of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives responsible for reviewing Mr. Biden's file were skeptical of bringing charges against him, especially considering he'd sought treatment and had no prior criminal history, according to another person with knowledge of the situation. You know, folks, can you imagine you getting a break like this? And on the form it asks, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? And they warn, the use or possession of marijuana remains unlawful under federal law, regardless of whether it's been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you reside. That's on the form. The form also states, the information you provide will be used to determine whether you're prohibited by federal or state law from receiving a firearm. Certain violations of the Gun Control Act, 18 U.S.C. 9, uh, 921 ETSEC, are punishable by up to 10 years imprisonment or up to a quarter of a million dollar fine. Oh, and they have a defense now. Hunter's lawyers. You know what they're calling it, Mr. Producer? Second Amendment. He has a right to bear arms that this form is unconstitutional. <laughs> so number one, Joe Biden says, we need more gun control laws. Number two, his son violated a gun control law. What, one that's been around for a while right up front. Number three, 
They're making a Second Amendment argument that the form is unconstitutional. And number four, he deserves a break, the poor guy. After all, he's never committed a crime before. Forget about all the drug use and all the rest that's on the laptop there for everybody to forget about it. Poor guy. He just needs a break. Yeah, right. While they criminalize the document case against Trump. And Maggie Haberman says... (laughs) Oh. Wow. I wouldn't want to be the official transcriber on that show. My guests this Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Fantastic. Charles Payne and Jason Chavitz. Perfect timing for Chavitz, too. Charles Payne is a superstar. Superstar. We'll go over the financial issues in a very compelling way. Jason Chavitz was once had, as you know, chairman of the House Oversight Committee. And he has insight into what's going on that is absolutely remarkable that he's, he's saving for the show, and I hope you'll watch it. And again, these are long-form interviews. They're not the sort of interviews you're going to see anywhere else. Oh, and one other thing. You know how all these different hosts have all these different buttons on their lapel? Or lapels, some of them are both. Well, I have a brand new... I have a brand new item I'm putting on my lapel. On my right lapel, as you look at the camera, it'll be on the left. It's very different. Unfortunately, you're going to have to watch the show to know what it is. And I explain what it is at the end of the show. Now, I know you're not going to watch the show just for that. But I still want to keep it. To me. Until then. Because I'm very proud of it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Remember the last time you got a quote-unquote free phone? You started out feeling great, then came the hefty activation fees, four-line requirements, and of course, the binding contract. Don't fall for it again, folks. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data plan with mobile hotspot for just 55 bucks a month and get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company I'm proud to stand behind because they're proud to stand behind me and you. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin and you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Again, go to puretalk.com, use promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, to start saving today. that interesting. I meant to get to this earlier, but we'll do it right now. So there's Ron DeSantis. He's campaigning, and uh, he's answering questions from people. He's in the crowd, and so a reporter comes up to him. Right, Mr. Producer? An AP reporter. I don't know what cut this is. I don't have it in front of me. Cut seven, my lucky number. So take a listen to this, nice and loud. Why not take any questions from voters, governor? So stop. So the guy says, why not take any questions from voters? 
Now, you can't see this on the radio. Imagine that. But he's surrounded by a crush of people, shaking their hands, interacting with them, speaking with them. They're speaking to him. And the AP reporter says, why not take any questions from voters? Now, by the way, Joe Biden is never in a situation like this. But that said, that aside, he's taking questions. It's right in front of his face. Go ahead. Why not take any questions from voters, Governor? Governor, how come you're not taking questions from voters? Not coming up to me, talk to me. What are you talking about? I'm not here working with people. Are you are you blind? What? Are you blind? I'm not blind. No. Okay, so people are coming up to me, talking to me, whatever they want to talk to me about. <laughs> of course he's frustrated. It's so ridiculous. I tell you, I like this guy. I really do. I can like Trump and DeSantis, and I do. I like this guy. He's just down to earth. Down to earth. Regular guy. I really say that, and I believe it. And that's the way he was raised. Everything he got, he earned. Then he he goes to an Ivy League school. Then he goes into the military. After 9-11, volunteers. And he comes out of the military. Combat. Comes out of the military and gets his law degree. Just uh, really, I mean, that's that's what we want, right? And, of course, what they're doing to Trump makes us furious. So, look, these things will work themselves out. We don't have to destroy each other. I'm not going to. And I will give them as much time as they want. And, uh, and look, I'm a huge Trump fan, too. There's nobody who defends Trump, in my view, Better. Not just as often, but better. If I may say so myself. Than I. Than I. Not me, than I. That's true. All right, I don't have time to slip this one in. I wanted to, but uh, city council meeting yesterday. Maybe I will have time a little later. The the beginning of the 8 o'clock hour. You now have people smartly asking, Democrats as well as residents in these inner city communities, why are you giving millions and millions of dollars to illegal aliens when the money can be used right here in our community? It's a damn good question. And so Democrats are asking Democrats this question, particularly in these black communities. Why are you giving money to illegal aliens when we can use it right here? And I would extend that. You can use it right here for things like school choice. I'll be right back. The past few years have proven that unexpected events can strike at any time. And when they do, the food and daily nutrition you need isn't always there. That's why you need Nutrient Survival. These delicious chef-made recipes are packed with six times more nutrients than many other emergency foods. And it's patented with virtually the same level of elite nutrition that's required for many special ops forces to help you stay strong, alert, and satisfied when you need it most. This isn't empty calorie food like many others. These are loaded with 40 essential nutrients and made from real ingredients right here in America. And they can last up to 25 years guaranteed. 
Try Nutrient Survival today. I have their emergency food kit, and it's worth every penny. And today, my listeners can save 15% off their entire order. Plus, get a free variety sampler with purchase and free shipping inside the continental United States for orders over $200. Nutrient Survival is an American, veteran-owned, and operated company, which I fully support. So head to Nutrient Survival and use promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, at checkout for this deal. Nutrient Survival. Bible.com, promo code Levin. Get prepared today. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So how's that economy going? Macy's and Costco sign a warning about the economy. You know, I still go to Costco for that hot dog and soda, Mr. Well, it's $1.50. Now, you know they're losing money on that. That big all-beef hot dog. Do you ever eat a hot dog there, Mr. Producer? What's wrong with you? I mean, it's well worth the membership. <laughs> I can tell you that. At least it is for me. So CNN, at Macy's, Costco, and other big change. By the way, let, let's stop a second here. Costco. Is there anything like Costco in any other place of the world? No. Walmart. Is there anything like Walmart in any other place on the planet? No. These big supermarkets, Florida, we have Publix, Virginia, we have Wegmans and places like that. Any other place on the face of the planet? No. You can choose all kinds of beef, all kinds. It's like hamburger. 90% fat, fat-free, 95% fat-free, 80% fat-free. You know, oh, my God. Then you go over to the, to the fish counter. Big shrimp, little popcorn shrimp, all different kinds of fish, literally from all over the country, if not the world. You go to the beverage section. Wine from all over the United States, all over the world. So many kinds of beer, you go cross-eyed. Go to the bread aisle. Oh, my God. Seven grain, six grain, nine grain, no grain. Oatmeal, wonder bread, potato bread. It's a lot. Go to the freezer section. hundred different types of yogurt. Fifty different flavors. Butter, margarine, butter with plant oil. It goes on and on and on. Go to the fruit section. Fruits you've never even heard of before. You don't even know what they are. Even plastic bags. 50 different types of plastic bags, for God's sakes. Go to the candy section, which I'm not allowed to, my wife tells me. We've never seen anything like this in all of humanity. 
What's responsible for this? The government? Government regulations? Capitalism? The market system? The poor people in America are the middle class or the higher class in most of the third world. Did you know that? The vast majority of poor people, as defined by the federal government, have color televisions and at least one car. People in America, the average citizen, lives better today than any king or queen lived a hundred years ago. Capitalism, the market system. That's why we've never had a revolution in this country. Capitalism and freedom, it's not a perfect marriage, but it's a very good one. They're very close as being married as any economic system and any free system on the face of the earth. It's an imperfect system, but it's a fantastic system. Capitalism. (coughs) Excuse me. We may not be glad when our flights are canceled or delayed. But more Americans have access to flights across the country or anywhere in the country or anywhere outside the country than any people on the face of the earth. Think about it. It's remarkable. We don't stop and and think about what capitalism and freedom have brought us in this country. A great deal. And that's even so despite all the regulations. Despite the movements towards socialism in Congress and in the states, many states. Despite all that, it still has a way of muscling through because when I say it, I mean you. When you abandon capitalism for statism, You're abandoning what's between your ears. The ability to think for yourself, the ability to create, to develop, to produce. You smother entrepreneurship. You do all those things. All those things. And yet capitalism is under attack. From the Marxist left and some pseudo-conservatives. It's under brutal assault. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I only bring that up, ladies and gentlemen, because Costco and Macy's here, but particularly Costco, well, they kind of know what's going on. Costco, Macy's, other big change say shoppers are pulling back at their stores and changing what they buy. That could be a red flag for the U.S. economy. Macy's today cut its annual profit and sales forecast after customer demand slowed. Costco finance chief said last week that some customers were switching from pricier steaks and beef for cheaper meats like pork and chicken, which you can get at Costco. This is a trend that has 
been common in previous recessions, he said. And by the way, Walmart, we talked about a story about a month ago, more and more people, not just from the bottom, but in the middle, are going to Walmart. And even people are driving up there in their Mercedes and their, and everything, their, and their Benzes and so forth, and they're, they're going to Walmart because the products there tend to be cheaper. And what about online shopping? Amazon started in America too. What about during the pandemic? What would people have done without online purchasing? What would they have done? Would have been tough, tougher than it was, despite the fascistic, Marxist, I would argue, pandemic restrictions that were placed on so many. That's capitalism. All right, we'll be right back. Mark Levin. I don't think I'd do this or not. That is engaged with other folks out there. Josh Hammer is the uh, senior editor-at-large at Newsweek and uh, host of the Josh Hammer podcast. Josh, how are you? Mark, it's a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you very much. You got it. Tell me the difference, and I mean this here, between a natcom and I've never heard of a boomercom before. Well, I, I can't remember where I heard that, that term from, but it's, it, I mean, it's meant to describe a certain conservative who was forged in a certain time and place, mostly from the 1960s through the 1980s. And really kind of the broader point that I'm getting at, which has been a late motif of my commentary for the past, you know, five, six, seven years or so now, is I, I think there's been a serious conflation in the conservative movement between principles, timeless principles, eternal, eternal principles and ad hoc time and place policies that might have been appropriate at a given time and place. And oftentimes what I see is a conflation between kind of 1980s Reagan-Bush era policies that were appropriate given the problems that the country and really kind of the Western world faced at that time and principles as well. And, you know, NATCON just refers to national conservatism. Uh, the Edmund Burke Foundation, where I'm a research fellow, is, is kind of the home for that. We host these national conservatism conferences really kind of trying to build on the momentum that former President Trump kind of ushered in when he was elected president in 2016, trying to take certain policies, immigration, trade, foreign policy, and in a slightly more kind of nationalist direction, I would say trying to kind of take social and economic policy in a direction that really tries to make America a little more whole and communitarian away from the liberalization of prior decades. Well, I don't disagree with that necessarily, but I do have some questions because I looked into some of this national conservatism, which honestly I never heard of before. But that's my fault. I haven't read about it. One of my concerns here, and I would like you to try and dissuade me from this, I'm concerned that that it could push sort of a government-centric industrial policy. And if not, what are the limits on that? In other words, I understand we don't have a free market, but I also understand that it's the market system that creates all the wealth in this country. Government doesn't create it. Regulations don't create it. Nothing creates it, but we the people. So what do you have in mind in that regard? Because I don't quite understand that. 
Well, first of all, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, I think even self-described NatCons to some extent would probably disagree when it comes to industrial policy. So I remember back in 2019, at the first National Conservatism Conference in Washington, D.C., I wasn't even yet formally affiliated with the movement. I was actually covering it at the time as a journalist for the Daily Wire. I remember on stage, they had Orrin Cass and Richard Reinsch debating industrial policy. So, you know, I mean, like any good right of organization, we air out these debates just like anyone else does. But uh, on a personal level, I, I am sympathetic to large swaths of what is, you know, very loosely described as industrial policy, the likes of which American Affairs Journal, edited by Julius Krein and Orrin Cass's own American Compass, put out. I mean, the basic argument here, Mark, and I think the early onset of the COVID pandemic in, in 2020 really kind of underscored this when it became so apparent, so evident that, you know, the American people were reliant on our arch geopolitical foe, the Chinese Communist Party, for basic personal protective equipment, masks, things of that nature. I mean, the percentage of our pharmaceuticals that are manufactured in China is, is shockingly high. And especially as Xi Jinping increasingly eyes Taiwan, you have the semiconductor issue. Taiwan's semiconductor manufacturing company has a, the largest market share of advanced semiconductor chips of any company in the world. Who knows what would happen if we were to ever lose TSMC? And we use, we use those chips for everything from our iPhones to our F-35 planes. So the argument here is that the global free trade regime, um, the Washington consensus, you know, it goes back to the George H.W. Bush era, where George H.W. Bush famously had this White House economic advisor who kind of mused computer chips, potato chips, what's the difference? And, you know, look, I mean, I, I, I major in economics in college, Mark. I've read Ricardo. I know what comparative advantage looks like on an, on an economics 101 chalkboard. And that should be the baseline for sure. But it is important from a national resilience industry and national security perspective, that there are some things that we should actually make in this country or at a bare, bare minimum. Does anybody disagree with this, really? Any I don't conservative? Know. I mean, uh, um, look, I mean, I, I can tell you, I mean, I've been on some programs of some conservative guests who are a little more libertarian leaning. I mean, I've debated folks who are free traders, absolutist free traders when it comes to China, for instance. I mean, that's I think crazy. I think, I think that's a, I agree. I think that's absolutely crazy. But what about um, free traders I, when it comes to Britain? So, look, I mean, I, generally speaking, I, I am deeply skeptical of multilateral trade agreements. I mean, I mean, the UK is one of our most indispensable allies, and we should be looking in all likelihood to shore up bilateral trade relations with them when it makes sense on kind of a good by good, item by item, industry by industry basis. And who determines that? This is what I want to dig down on. Well, ideally speaking, it would be Congress. I mean, Mark, you know, you're a constitutional lawyer just like I am. I mean, it is we the people who who, who decide these things through our duly But isn't that scary? Well, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I look. As I mean, opposed to the people themselves, Congress should decide, apart from the enemy, I got it. I don't think we should do any trade that's of any use to the enemy, period, period. But I'm talking about allies, whether it's Britain or Israel or France or whatever it is. And I'm not necessarily against countering tariff with tariff. I don't think we should be treated, you know, differently. But if, if we leave it to Congress, Congress is a mess. I wouldn't leave it to I mean, Congress. Congress. I, mean, I mean, Congress is a mess, but, you know, that is also who the founding fathers want to leave these decisions to. I, I no, mean, they Congress left it to us. Has. 
Well, uh, yes and no. I, I mean, we as consumers within the confines of the guardrails in the market that Congress and our other duly enacted legislators and officials set, I mean, w- within those guardrails, the marketplace and individual consumers, producers, and so forth can act. But it is it, it is up to legislators who, who ultimately are tasked with looking out for the the general welfare, the common defense, uh, everything that the preamble I, the Constitution I, let me cites. Let me say this. I, don't, that's, that's, I got the preamble. I got that. What I'm saying is the Commerce Clause, all of that, so the states can work with the states. But the fact is I don't ever think they believed a central government. And I disagree with them on this. I agree with you on China, on Cuba, on all these enemy states. I, I mean, we shouldn't hang ourselves and kill ourselves based on an ideological p- position. It ought to be a prudential position. But that said, I mean, where do we stop this with Congress? Look, we'll get into this next segment a little bit, Kevin McCarthy stuff. But I don't trust that institution, which has blown the budget through the sky, which will not, which will not secure the border, which is, is destroying the currency and all the rest. I'd rather trust the guy next door. So my argument would be, Congress, let's stay out of this stuff. If you want to give... You know, credits for companies to build uh, chips. I certainly get that. That's a national security issue and so forth and so on. And I agree with you. One case at a time, we'll look at it. I just don't, as a philosophical point of view, get excited about somebody setting industrial policy. Does well, that make sense? I, I really like. Yeah, I mean, look, I really, I, I, I'm very sympathetic to the whole guy next door point. I mean, that's kind of tapping at a bit of a popular sentiment. I mean, William F. Buckley himself famously said that he would rather trust the first 2,000 names in the Boston, Massachusetts telephone book than the faculty lounge at Harvard or Yale University. And <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I mean, here is the difference, though, when it comes to something like semiconductors or something that is actually profoundly important that we not be reliant on a, an enemy or potentially enemy regime. The difference is that leaving it to the vagaries and the inherent short-termism of investors, speculators in the market. The market is amazing at getting you the most efficient results. I mean, look, I went to University of Chicago Law School. It's the home of the law and economics movement. I mean, you know, the joke at Chicago Law School is that efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. So the market is going to very rarely fail in producing the most efficient outcome. The problem is that the most efficient outcome is not necessarily synonymous with the outcome that is best for the for the whole polity. And our constitutional system tasks legislators with making some of these decisions and not necessarily somewhat lazily outsourcing them to the vagaries of the market, but actually putting their thumb on the scale sometimes to to achieve or better hopefully achieve and secure the common All good right. of the whole over we're, what the market meant. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll come back. I would just say this and you can answer it after. I would argue that Congress is part of the problem. One of the reasons we don't have chip makers in this country is because of the tax rate, the environmental rules, the union rules, and all the rest. And then we'll decide, Josh Hammer, Newsweek, the beginning of the next segment, whether you want to discuss Kevin McCarthy or common good originalism. And we'll leave it to you. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Josh Hammer is the senior editor-at-large at Newsweek. So, Josh, would you like to get into common good originalism, which fascinates me? I just read about it two days ago. I didn't even hear heard of it before. Or do you want to get into Kevin McCarthy, whichever you like? Mark, it's your show. I will happily tell you early. <laughs> well, we're going to disagree on Kevin McCarthy, so I don't think there's much to debate there. Um, but that said, I don't think it was a great deal. But I want to get into this other well, thing. I think uh, it'll be more. Go ahead. No, I, I, Mark. I, I guess I would just ask you before we transition, if, if I may. Um, I'm McCarthy. I'm a, I'm a little confused by your position, actually, because I, I listened to your opening monologue last night, and, and it sounds like you readily concede it's not a great deal. And you said you said that if you were a legislator, you would vote against it. Right. But simultaneously, you're critical of those who are in turn critical of McCarthy. So I'm just trying to f- figure out how to square that circle. Here's my problem. My problem is there are two different things. What occurred before this effort that could never succeed to try and stop McCarthy, I don't think made any sense. Now, your argument is, and many arguments, you're not alone, is they had a great influence on McCarthy in order to become speaker. But if McCarthy is the wimp, the establishment guy, it wouldn't have mattered. Right? He'd go back on those rules, so it doesn't matter. But he didn't. He's not Boehner. He's not Paul McCarthy. Uh, what's his name? Paul Ryan. He's not Paul McCarthy either. But he's not Paul Ryan. <laughs> and he put conservatives in these committees and so forth. So I think the guy means well. He's got good faith. There are conservatives up there who are not among the 20, but even, you know, John, uh, Chip Roy has been a best friend of mine forever. Lauren Boebert, we endorsed her early on. She's friends with my wife and so forth and so on. So it's a dis- disagreement in the family. I don't think it's the end all and be all, and I'll tell you why. Because none of this in the end is going to matter. And one day I'll discuss with you Convention of States. I really want you to take a look at that. Because I see you as a long, young guy trying to find a way to save the country. And so you look at national conservatism. You're looking at this common ground originalism. You're looking for ways to say, look, it's not working. What do we do to save the country? Do I have that about right? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm sympathetic enough to the Convention of States idea. I mean, I I see both pros and cons to it. I'm I'm sympathetic enough to it. But look, I mean, the problem with Convention of States is you ultimately need three quarters of the states to ratify a new constitutional amendment. I mean, I don't think I don't think three quarters of the states today could agree on how many genders there are. So I, I don't mean, agree I, with I, that. I, I, I don't agree with that. We're at 20 now. 
But this is the kind of battle. I mean, if I were to say to you, your NATCOM thing is very interesting. But how do you, what, what is, the, how, do you, how does it manifest itself? In other words, you expect the same Congress that's doing what it's doing, the same bureaucracy that's doing what it's doing, the same executive, I should say, that's doing what it's doing, the same judiciary that's doing what it's doing to suddenly roll over or at some point and say, you know what, we're wrong, we're going to bring morality into this, you know what, you're wrong, uh, we're going to do all these different things, or we were wrong, we were wrong for almost 100 years, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, look, I, I, I mean, I am sympathetic to that, right, which is why I'm, I'm ultimately sympathetic to the Convention of States, despite kind of the well-known possible... I want you to study... No, Take look, Mark, good... I mean, I'm familiar, I, I'm familiar with Mark Meckler. I mean, look, I mean, I remember back when I was in law school, we had, we, we had Andy Oldham. I mean, now he's Judge Andy Oldham on the Fifth Circuit. He's one of the brightest stars on the Fifth Circuit. But I remember back when Andy Oldham was the general counsel to then, uh, well, then and still Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, and he was kind of going around the country touting um, Greg Abbott's Convention of States proposal. So, look, I mean, I, I'm very familiar with the argument. That was not a I'm good Convention of States proposal. But that said, yeah. let's get into this issue of common good originalism. What is it? Yeah, well, I, I mean, Mark, I guess the reason that you're not familiar with the term is, is a term that I invented, frankly. Um, I, I created this term in 2020 in the context of kind of a broader jurisprudential debate that was launched by Harvard Law professor Adrian Vermeule, who called his proposal common good constitutionalism. He wrote a whole book on this last year, and common good originalism was my very deliberate way to try to split the baby, if you will, between his proposal and kind of the the standard, uh, if you will, originalism of the late Justice Antonin Scalia, the late Judge Bob Bork, Ed Meese, um, folks of, of that nature there. So common good originalism basically argues that this emphasis on very narrowly interpreting the words of the Constitution or a statute or in theory, I guess, even an executive branch regulation within the four corners of the page without any kind of potential recourse to what Alexander Hamilton, Federalist 31, refers to as kind of the great anchoring principles, the great anchoring truths that, that undergird our constitutional order, is ultimately mistaken. And the slightly more complex argument that I make, Mark, is that it is impossible to understand the legitimacy of any system of law without understanding the ends to which that system of law is ultimately oriented. This is what Aristotle calls the telos, going back to the Greeks. And I personally cite the telos of the American... Uh-oh. What happened? Okay, we got you. We had a hiccup of about three or four seconds. If you can go back a sentence. I, I mean, what I was saying is... It's impossible to understand the, the legitimacy of, of a system of law without understanding the ends to which the system of law is oriented. And for the U.S. Constitution, I cite those ends of governance, those enumerated ends of governance in the preamble, which I alluded to earlier, which speaks more of communitarian, nationalist, common good ends like domestic tranquility, the common defense, the general welfare, and so forth. Various claims about kind of idiotic. All right, we're going to run out of time, of, so let me ask you some questions. Just to flush this out a little bit. So we have a case. I'm a Supreme Court justice. It comes to me. Let's pick a case. Let's pick one that's really big, Obamacare. How do I analyze Obamacare with the common good originalism? Well, I, I mean, I would readily – so we're talking about here about NFIB versus Sebelius, I assume, the, the, the blockbuster 2012 case. 
I mean, you probably could finagle. No, I'm not. I'm talking about the original Obamacare decision. What did you say, 2012 or 2022? 2012, NFIB. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, in this particular case, uh, it, it was stridently obvious to anyone who was viewing this that this thing was not a tax, that it was a mandate. The Obama administration was saying repeatedly it was a mandate, it was a mandate, it was a mandate. Common good originalism would definitely not authorize judges to flagrantly rewrite incredibly important portions of the law to be that which it was not meant to be by the legislators. If, if anything, actually, common good originalism, as I propose it. Well, because if anything, actually, common good originalism, is, as I proposed in Mark, actually is trying to get conservatives to rediscover that there is actually some value in purposivism. Now, admittedly, that can take us a little too far, but this is kind of the whole idea of a telos. You have to be cognizant of the, of the ends, the goals, the purpose of a law, of a constitutional order. And I don't disagree with you. Pur- We're going to run out of it. But in the hands of the left, I'm Sotomayor. I say, this is a great idea. I like this common common ground originalism stuff but they're doing but they're doing it already exactly so what does this fix it's basically just mark this is kind of just my jurisprudential analog to the economic argument that we have to basically be making arguments advancing policies and even interpreting the constitution in a way that tries to make the american republic cohesive again after decades and decades of deregulation and liberalization that has resulted in the worst drug overdose epidemic in decades that has resulted in a border that none of our ancestors would ever recognize all these various maladies and it's time to just bring the country together again in a more communitarian nationalist patriotic manner and you know that's not going to make a huge difference in let me ask you a question controversy. I, I i like that call but let me ask you a question do you agree with me that the left is even worse than it's ever been that it has sort of a Marxist ideological bent customized to our own country? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you agree it's going to be tough to bring us all together while we're fighting that battle? Oh, man. Yeah, look. I mean, look, if I could wake up tomorrow, Mark, I mean, I would love there to be a a great Lincolnian restoration. I'm born on Lincoln's birthday. He's my favorite hero in American history. But, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I saw that coming anytime soon. I mean, we're in a great struggle. And so, and so this is very complicated. It's very daunting. And uh, I'll give you credit for this. I like that you, you're trying to come up with ideas. You're trying to come out with arguments. You're trying to make the case. You're trying to look for ways, to, if not save the republic, reinstitute the republic, even if we don't agree all the time. I wish we had more time, Josh. I got to go. I got a commercial break. Your podcast is the Josh. What is it? Josh, it's the Josh Hammer Show on Apple so, Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Mark, it's been, real, it's been a real pleasure. I wish we had more time as well, so perhaps uh, at a future date. You never know. Thank you, buddy. Take care of yourself. All right. Josh Hammer, Josh Hammer Podcast, Senior Editor at Large, Newsweek. Do I have a commercial or are we going to be right back, Rich? I have a commercial. I'm going over. Hold on. i got to find the damn thing. I'm a quasi-professional. Where is it? All right, I'll tell you what. We'll do it when I return. I'll be back. Mark Lovin.
Let's jump to some calls, please. We haven't taken calls, take calls much this week. Who do we have out there? What's his name? Kendall Trucker in South Dakota. How are you, sir? I'm doing yeah. good. How about you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like I said, I'm just a truck driver, but I believe the Democrats made a huge tactical mistake. Uh, I was listening to the news last week, and I heard a blurb about Minnesota passed, and the governor signed a thing about where their electoral college votes goes to the winner of the popular vote nationwide. Um, I can't remember in my lifetime when a Republican candidate for president has run a 50-state campaign. I live in South Dakota, and I know lots of people in South Dakota that don't vote because they know the Republican's going to win, and what's the point? And when I go to California, I know lots of people in California that don't vote because the Republican's going to lose, and what's the point? But if, if the Republican, whoever the nominee might be, ran a 50-state campaign and made every Republican voter in the country realize that we need their votes, and you could still prioritize the swing states, but, um, you know... Well, they're only one human being. It's tough, you know? To prioritize the swing states and visit 50 states. It's tough. Now, let me say this to you. I'm not necessarily opposed to it. I'm not sure. I'm no expert on this stuff, but that said, the national popular vote movement is unconstitutional in every respect. And I want people to understand that particularly in mid-size or smaller states, given their populations. I'm not talking about the size of the state, the population. What your governor is doing in that situation is he is granting power to bigger states and taking that voting power away from you. So these states can't get together and do this without amending the Constitution. That just doesn't fly. It wouldn't fly. So I wouldn't spend a lot of time worrying about this. If it does pass one day, they get enough states. Basically, I think the number is 12 of these states or 14 of these states would, in effect, pick the president if they're right. A fundamental change to our constitutional order that way can't be achieved just because the left has an idea that they want to impose on the rest of us. It just ain't going to fly. But thank you for your excellent call, South Dakota. I appreciate it. Who's next, Mr. Producer? Mm Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, Orlando, Florida, on the Levin app. How are you? Good. How are you this evening? Very well. Thank you. Good. Okay, what I wanted to share with you is that um, I was booking a flight through a travel agency customer service chat. After booking my flight, the agent asked if there was anything else, and I typed, no, God bless you. And what I noticed is that God would not show, the the name God would not show. They put asterisks. So I wrote, God bless you again, and they put asterisks over God, but you can see bless you. It did type that out. Okay, well then you need to find a new travel agent. Yeah. That's That's the way you deal with that. The online ones. Yeah, for sure. No, Mm. and I did express myself to the agent. Uh, he apologized through the chat. It wasn't like a verbal He probably has no say. No. And he said that the AI program stars sentimental words. He said he'd talk to them about it. And he, 
but of course nothing's been done. But it really All right, well, look, there's going to be companies like this, and what we should do is not give them our money. And I think uh, we conservatives are getting very, very good at this. Whether it's Target or Kohl's or Belk, uh, whether it is uh, Budweiser and the rest. Because, you know, uh, a lot of people may not be philosophical conservatives. They may not be political at all. And thank you for your call, ma'am. But they're people with common sense. And they don't like attacks on their family. They don't like their little kids being sexualized. They don't like any of this stuff. And you don't even have to be a Republican to be among us. So these companies are now doing this at their own risk. There's pushback going on, and I couldn't be more happy about it. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker friends. Thank you. The freedom fighters in Ukraine and Taiwan. God bless you. Thanks each and every one of you, and I will see you tomorrow. Take care.